Welcome to a very late but another milestone edition of Defenders of the Bank with Philly and the Carrot Top. <laughs> I, I would I mean like the scarf. To, yeah, I would like to thank the homeless woman who was moved along outside of Bank of California Stadium at about nine thirty in the morning. She looks over. She goes, "Hey, what's up, Carrot Top?" And apparently, my orange childhood cancer jersey reminded her of carrot tops so hey i wouldn't mind if i had his bank account he's doing quite well in vegas with all of his shows biceps for that matter i do i know right he looks like uh what was that ed hockley the nfl referee (laughs) who just busted out of every shirt so yes thank you to the lovely young lady who has now named me carrot top It just came out of nowhere, and it just it didn't hit me until yeah we saw oh. it. It was it was so funny. You had no, to be there. I, I love it. I've got the water badger next to me and carrot top right here. So <laughs> why don't you tell them the story about the water badger? Too? <laughs> Philly could not think of the nickname of Tyron Matthew, which is by the way the honey badger. But he was like, wait, what's that guy's nickname? The water badger. And I kind of looked at him. He's like transposing water buffalo and honey badger at the same time. So I like it. I like it. Anyway, we are at number sixty. Yeah. Everybody, that is Babe Ruth's home run record number. 60 before Roger Maris broke it in 1961 couldn't believe that I will never forget the great home run race of what was it 1998 when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were going back and forth and back and forth and both of those guys hitting 60 and now here we are not hitting the age of 60 but hitting episode number 60 as the season winds down in Philly we're calling this one family ties we emphasize the word ties and family family ties ties that seems to be the only thing in our world right now ties 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 lafc is so close to clinching that supporter shield trophy it's sickening a win against the menacing michael bradley's and anything but an nycfc win would have secured our place as the team with the best record in the mls true unfortunately that was not to be the case and 40 seconds into the matchup with fc dallas nycfc scored Ugh. Another frustrating tie for our boys in black and gold. We are millimetering our way to this shield. Not inching, millimetering. It's getting too close for comfort, Scarf. Not enjoying this lack of winning. Point is a point, but we're really sweating it out right now. Yeah, Philly, we have never gone five games in our franchise history without posting a W. You mentioned this, by the way, recording this on Sunday, September 22nd, 2019. And as we speak, like you mentioned, NYCFC is indeed playing their game against FC Dallas. They're just about to go into the half with NYCFC up one nothing. So we are obviously looking at them in a much closer version of the rear view than we were five games ago. And you know, Philly, I got to be honest with you. We didn't get to record last night Hmm. and it allowed me to find a little bit of a different perspective on this game. And I want to share it real quick with our listeners, if you don't mind. I mind. I mind. Yeah. Absolutely mind. Schmitty McMitten's minds. Yeah. So I was glad you gave me a night to settle and kind of rehash the events of yesterday that led to a rather calm perspective on my end. See, I left the game, Philly, yesterday pretty frustrated. And actually had, had nothing to do with you. Had nothing to do with Scarfette or Panda or anybody I else. I wouldn't blame you for being frustrated I, <laughs> at me. No, it's okay. Still everybody. Hashtag don't worry. Philly again. Bla- hashtag blame Philly. It's on our last post, so go check it out. I left the game searching for positivity, answers, and for a way to maintain that positive spin that we here at Defenders of the Bank like to put on things, but, but it was hard. 
I spent like many of the 22,000 fans at Defenders of the Bank, I spent the majority of the 90 minutes watching a team that I barely recognized, that I had seen many positive things from throughout the course of the season. And, and frankly, they, they looked an awful lot more like the team that we had seen over these last four or five games and not over the first 25. I was, to put it very bluntly, I was upset. I was frustrated and, again, just searching for answers. But on the way home from the bank, I had a moment of clarity. It all starts at about 10 o'clock yesterday morning. We were setting up our tailgate at Christmas Tree Lane next to the Cuervos, next to Relentless, and eventually some of the Tunnel Snakes. It was kind of a low-key tailgate to start. Very low-key. Many people rolled in a little bit later than they would normally do. Many others didn't show up until even much later after that. Maybe the buzz of a Hello Kitty plush little toy wasn't enough to get people out of bed as early as some of our other games. Don't get me wrong, Philly. At about three o'clock, the tailgate that you and I both have come to know and love was in full swing, but we were off to a slow start. As all of our listeners know, we were doing our kick childhood cancer fundraiser all day at our tent. We were selling pins we had specially made for the game, and I brought about 3,000 soccer cards, all of LAFC players, to sell to try and raise as much money as possible for the Children's Oncology Group Foundation. Philly, I am still looking for the Quillen Roberts card for you. I promise I'm going to do what I can to find one of those. I can't wait. One day. One day you know, number 94 will grace my roster. Absolutely. We were donating 100% of those proceeds to cancer research, the same charity that Major League Soccer and LAFC are helping to support. But even the fundraiser got off to a slow start. I mean, we had plenty of people coming through to support it, but it wouldn't have mattered how much money we raised. If it was 500, I would have been disappointed and I would have wanted to raise 1,000. If it was 1,000, I would have been disappointed and wanted to raise $3,252. The number wouldn't have mattered. I would have always wanted more. But that being said, even by my own calculations and standards, it was going slowly. And I was frustrated. I was frustrated for what seemed like hours. Now, of course, I didn't show it on the outside. I was upbeat. I was happy. We had plenty of great conversations yesterday with everybody at Christmas Tree Lane. We walked around. We talked to the Expos. We talked to the Luckies. We talked to Crew. We talked to LAO. We talked to Inland Element, D9U, everybody that was out there. Our big guy, Nick, he came out and hung out in the tent with us. Apple juice was at our tent for like most of the day. That was fun. We had everybody come through. Obviously, Amy and Adrian, they were hanging out. But I got to be honest, I I was still frustrated. Right up until almost the very last minute when we were about to clean up and then everything changed. A bunch of people came over to the tent at the same time. Some of them bought one or two dollars worth of cards. Some of them spent even more. But one person in particular, one person, made an incredibly generous contribution to our fundraiser. Now, Philly, I'm not sure if that person would like to remain anonymous or not, so I won't mention their name right now, but they absolutely know that I'm talking about them. And I can tell you that that person stopping by was an absolute blessing. And yes, I use that word on purpose. Just when I thought the fundraiser was going to be disappointing, And I spent the entire time on the inside really frustrated that blessing arrived. And that became my perspective on our game as well. 
Every one of us in the stands yesterday, Philly, was beyond frustrated. Our back line looked shaky. Our midfield was having trouble passing. And our front three were having trouble connecting or were hesitant to shoot. And for well over 90 minutes, right up until the last minute, Philly, we were frustrated. But then, just like during our fundraiser, that blessing came through. So I have to tell you, Philly, while I'm not a fan of ties, if you've listened to any of our episodes out there, Defenders, you know how I feel about ties. I don't think there's such a thing as a good tie. But this one was the closest thing to it. We all came into this game expecting results and could not have been more frustrated for almost a full 95 minutes of this game. But then that blessing appeared. We can take positives. We can take solace. And in terms of our standings, Philly, like you had mentioned, we can take a point. And that is certainly a better outcome than the alternative. It's a heck of a perspective, man. I didn't even know that you were going to do this because you forgot to send your notes to me earlier, by the way. I did. But I that, did. Was, that was beautiful. I, I sit here nodding my head in absolute agreement uh, for everything you just said. And for the first time in a long time, we obviously took the night off. And, you know, hashtag blame Philly, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll uh, leave it at that. <laughs> well, I'll simply leave it at that. So, I mean, that was beautiful. Now, we're going to get into the episode, obviously. Uh, I love that recap that you gave right there. I mean, at this point, I'm like, hey, might as well just close out the show. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, no, I'm, no. I'm good to go. We go we, well watch back We uh, have football. plenty more to say about this episode. Don't no worry. Doubt. No doubt. On our show, as always, we're going to give you our This Day in LAFC history. Yep. We're going to give you our match recap, our wait, what, what moment of the game, and, of course, some updates. But before we do that, I'm going to introduce a new segment right now called Errors and Omissions. <laughs> I want to admit some fault on something, Scarf. Last week's episode, during the intro, we said that we would give them an update on what happened with the Black and Gold Run Club. Yes, you did. I failed to do so. And we also failed on the wait what moment, if I'm not mistaken. We also did not give out stats for the game during that episode as well. Yeah, I'm not, we're not going to do it so much there. But I do want to talk <laughs> about the, the Black and Gold Run Club really, really quickly. Last week was the second ever Black and Gold Run Club meeting at the Echo Park Lake. Neil from Empire Boys, or otherwise known as Craft Brew Jitsu, was there. Great Instagram handle. 100%. Pat was there. Imad was there. Countless other people were there. It was a great turnout scarf. I ran the three miles around the lake. It was only my second run since I tore my hamstring at the infamous 3252 kickball tournament. You tore it playing kickball. Yeah. Some of you may not know this, but despite my current physical stature, I've qualified and ran the New York City Marathon twice. As recently as 2015 and 2016, I've run the LA once, and I've done enough 5Ks, 10Ks, and half marathons to equal, if not double, the states in the U.S. I have zero to show for all this, of course, other than medals. I've torn my meniscus. I've messed up my back. I've torn my hamstring. You did that playing kickball. I messed myself up. Between long-distance running and years and years of MMA training, kickboxing, and jiu-jitsu, I am a broken man with a probably even more worn-out liver. But I wanted to be a part of this run club. And I'm going to be a part of this run club. I may not have the same speed I once possessed, but I can sure as hell keep trying. The next run, ladies and gentlemen, for any of you out there that are interested, and you're going to see it on Black and Gold Run Club, is more than likely going to be on October 5th in a location to be determined at a later date. I had a blast doing this scarf. I love the Black and Gold Run Club. All of you out there thinking about getting back in shape or maintaining what you have, definitely consider joining the Black and Gold Run Club. Follow them on Instagram at Black and Gold Run Club. Any questions should be directed to the club's founder, Neil, and he can be found on Instagram at Craft Brew Jitsu. Now, 
for our wait. What? what? Moment of last week's podcast. We watched an LAFC match. We saw Iron Maiden. We came back to Phil Monster Studios. We recorded a podcast. We edited a podcast. We posted a podcast. And we didn't die of exhaustion. Woo! Enough said. <laughs> that was our wait. What? Moment of last week's yeah, podcast. And real quick, I just want to send a big thank you out to Jonathan Reimer. You all know him on Instagram as Boozeology. And you might also listen to his podcast. He is one of the co-hosts of Shoulder to Shoulder. You can find them at LAFCS2S, Shoulder to Shoulder. Big thank you to them for opening the invitation to his suite that he got with a bunch of D9U guys out there. We had a really good time watching it from up there. But I got to hang out with you. You were only a couple seats away over there in the Founders Club, Philly. Yeah. And we had an absolute blast. I And I've said this last podcast, but again, thank you, Philly, for kind of pushing me into making sure I got a ticket and got in the building again. That man's voice is the voice from heaven. He is 70 <laughs> years old and can still absolutely kill it. And I was so excited that I got to be in the building and we had a great time that night, Philly. But with that, it's time for a little This Day in LAFC history. And it's going to be a quick one. Like we mentioned, we are recording this episode on Sunday, September 22nd, 2019. One year ago today, LAFC dominated San Jose at home at the bank. 2-0 behind a brace. That's two goals from, of all players, Walker Zimmerman. Scored in the 41st and the 68th minute. We absolutely dominated San Jose at home. Outshot them 18-4. Outcornered them 12-1. And that was LAFC reaching 50 points. Imagine a little bit of perspective here, folks. We were reaching 50 points at the end of last season. Of course, we've already talked about it being a tie yesterday, which means we are now at 65 points on the season. So an incredible bit of perspective. Last year was a great season, made the playoffs for the first time. And this game one year ago today against San Jose allowed us to reach 50. Well, here we are, flash forward one year later, and we are five full wins ahead of last year's pace at 65 points on the season. And that is all we have today for this day in LAFC history. Thank you for that, Scarf. That was awesome. You're welcome. Now let's get into the match recap itself between LAFC and the jumping Josie Altidores. Nope, not that one. What about the menacing Michael Bradleys? I think Bob would like it, but maybe not that one either. What about the leaping Laurent Simons? Only for the last 20 minutes or so of the game. All right, I guess we could stick to Toronto FC. That's right. <laughs> the return of the general, Laurent Simon. God, I wish he never got cut from that World Cup squad. Could you imagine had he kept up with the pace that he did the first half of the season scarf? He might have never left. And he was actually quoted as saying that him leaving LAFC was one of the biggest mistakes that he made in his career. Alas, he did it for personal reasons. For those of you that don't know, Laurent has a special needs child. Prior to coming to LAFC, she was getting the best attention and best schooling possible while he was a member of the Montreal Impact. He was told, if not promised, that he would not be traded at the end of the 2017 season. He had a really good thing going, and obviously he didn't want to uproot his child's progress. But lo and behold, that was not to be the case. Fortunately for us, we actually got him in a trade. And Scarf, talk about that trade really, really quickly, how we got Laurent. Yeah, that was during the expansion draft. I believe it was either that same day or the day after. With the fourth and fifth picks in our expansion draft, 
before the 2018 season, we drafted Yuka Raitala and Raheem Edwards and wound up packaging those two to Montreal for Laurent Simon. And as we've mentioned a couple of times, actually, last year when we played Montreal, Yuka Raitala actually scored the third of the four goals for LAFC <laughs> that game in an own goal. Raheem Edwards now doing pretty well, too, in MLS. But we were extremely happy to get a guy who in 2016 was named MLS Defender of the Year. Yep. And just a couple of years later, he would be there for the opening of Bank of California Stadium, providing what is still, in my mind, unquestionably the best moment that we have had on the pitch as LAFC, the winning goal on the free kick with a little help from a player who I didn't know was playing for LAFC that day, Stefan Fry. <laughs> so again, Laurent Simon, the return, it was something that you and I were both looking for. Philly, I know you and I were both pretty surprised at the amount of boos that were raining down as he was substituted in. First of all, I was just happy to see him warming up and getting in. Yep. But look, like you mentioned, Philly, what you are actually saying, if you read between the lines there of, I wish he didn't get cut from the World Cup, is because after he came back from the World Cup last year, and for those of you that don't know, Vincent Company wound up being healthy right at the end of preparations for that World Cup, so Belgium wound up cutting Laurent Simon right before World Cup, and he did not come back to us the same player. There was just something missing, maybe a step slow, maybe his heart really wasn't in it after that cut from his own country's national team. And so it really kind of threw into flux a lot of what had become a hugely successful and momentum building beginning of the season for Laurent Simon. I was surprised, Philly, because we knew he wasn't his best self when we let him go. And I think a lot of LAFC fans kind of felt, I don't know, betrayed might be an interesting word. Even though he owes nothing to the 22,000 fans there, he's doing everything for his daughter. But I was surprised at the amount of booze. Look, the amount of good he brought to LAFC was tenfold anything bad that he brought to LAFC. And I was so happy to welcome the general back to the bank. 100%. I'm glad he came. He was our first captain, and he provided us with one of the greatest memories we'll ever see. None of you out there can tell me you didn't jump for joy that day. It doesn't matter what year it is. It could be 50, 60, 70 years. I promise you that goal that he scored when the bank opened its doors will forever be a top 10 greatest moment in LAFC history. I was sad to see him go. And it was quite a surprise. Shocked just as well as the majority of you. Yeah. Once we learned why, it made sense. I'm sorry to say that family comes first, and he did what he thought was best for the Simon clan. What I didn't get, though, Scarf, yeah. was how short-lived that whole maneuver was. In a matter of a cup of coffee and a shot of espresso, not only did he come back to the MLS, but he went from Dijon to the biggest rivals of the Montreal Impact, Toronto. He clearly loves Canada, but wow, a slap to the Impact faithful. Laurent comes back to Canada, but to rival Toronto FC. Either way, we were happy to welcome back the general. It was pretty cool seeing him actually walk around the pitch and shake hands and take pictures with everybody. That was awesome. Yeah, look, what it shows me, Philly, is just how good that healthcare must be up in Canada. They talk about it all the time, and it takes something for you to be able to go from the impact to Toronto Again, we wish him nothing but the best. And Philly, you're absolutely right. We're going to touch on that moment that you were just talking about when we do our game recap. Because for me, 
that really showed what you were saying was brought up in that interview about how much I feel and you feel the same way about him missing LAFC and what his time here meant. Yesterday was an intriguing matchup. You're going to talk about it in our game preview right here before we get into the minute by minute, but we got a lot of guys on one side of the pitch there for Toronto that have some incredible experience, not just in MLS, but worldwide with guys like Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, Omar Gonzalez, and Laurent Simon, and especially now Posuelo, who is a legitimate goal scorer on that other side. Pretty intriguing matchup, Philly, coming into the game. What did Toronto look like in terms of their form? I mean, it was an intriguing matchup. We'll talk about that. Absolutely, Scarf. Toronto, prior to their loss to Montreal on Wednesday in the Canadian Cup, was actually undefeated in their last seven matches. And the Canadian Cup is a real thing. Yeah. This is a team that currently sits in fourth place in the East with a record of 12, 10, and 9, with 45 points and a goal differential of plus Only 40 less than ours. (laughs) That is true. This is also a team that is not very far removed from an MLS Cup. They were the first Canadian team to win the MLS Cup in 2017 and the first MLS team to complete the domestic treble. In their case, they win the Canadian Championship. Still a real thing. The Supporters' Shield and the MLS Cup. Newsflash, folks. LAFC will more than likely not win the Canadian Championship. Which is still a real thing. Yes. I got a little bit of trivia for you, Scarf. Trivia. What current LAFC player was on that Toronto FC team that won the MLS Cup in 2017? One of the nicest guys you will ever meet and the first player ever who would have Farsi on his official MLS t-shirt, the Stephen Betashar. You are right, and you win a Butterfinger. Yes. Your prize would have been given to you, but I ate it earlier, and you will now be given a Butterfinger at a later date. Nobody better lay a finger on my Butterfinger. Thank you, Bart Simpson. All jokes aside, despite being in fourth place, you mentioned it earlier, Toronto's got a pretty good squad. They got Josie Altador. They got Omar Gonzalez, Alejandro Pasuelo, our old captain, Laurent Simon. He's not old. I mean, he is old. <laughs> he is old. Yeah, so are He's we. younger than us, though. And one other player that really (laughs) makes this intriguing, not because he was the captain of the U.S. men's national team, not because of his time spent in the Bundesliga or Serie A or Aston Villa, but what makes this intriguing is Michael Bradley is our head coach's son. Yes, folks, in case you are unaware of the parallels or living under a rock down by the Hollywood sign, Michael Bradley is the son of Bob Bradley. Cue in the dramatic drum rolls. Our last regular season matchup with Toronto was last season. I say this because we actually did meet and beat them 3-1 to in a preseason match earlier this year down in Irvine. Lovely Irvine. Yeah. Last season, in fact, over a year ago on September 1st of 2018, our boys in the black and gold headed across the border and tackled Toronto 4-2. to Two goals by Vela, one by Rossi, and another one by Lee Wynn was all she wrote. But U.S. men's international Josie Altidore scored two in that matchup. And he had an impact on today's game as well, and we'll get into that in just a second. Yep. Even though we only lost one game at the bank all season, we can call it the hashtag blame Philly game if you really want to, Scarf. <laughs> this wasn't going to be an easy game. We haven't won an actual matchup in a month. Nope. Our last win came against the Smurfquakes back in August. That was last month. Crucial game, crucial points. We aren't the clear favorite that we were, and Vela isn't running away with the golden boot without a fight from, you know who, the Carsonian Lion, 
And unfortunately, the Georgian giant, Joseph Martinez, will probably not be participating in this golden boot race because he suffered a pretty nasty injury yeah, yesterday in the bad. game against San Jose. I it, mean, yeah, it looked bad. Yeah, really bad. I mean, which is a bummer, by the way, because Joseph is one of those players. MLS doesn't have too many players that you switch the channel to make sure you watch them play. And I think, Philly, what you and I have seen, not just all season, but over the course of the last two years from Joseph Martinez is he is somebody who you turn the channel for and you want to watch Joseph Martinez and Atlanta United play. Look, let's see what happens. They won that game 3-1, and they're still one of the best teams in the East. But you're talking about a guy who you would put right now on the Mount Rushmore of goal scorers all time, in my opinion, in MLS. I mean, it's Wando, it's Joseph, and then you can argue about who else should be on that list. But a pure game-for-game basis – Joseph Martinez is one of the best that's ever done it in MLS. No doubt. I mean, that definitely changes Frank DeBoer's strategy in Atlanta, and that doesn't make him the scary team that they once were. Absolutely. Unfortunately, we aren't the scary team that we once were, and you know, we're going to talk about our game right now. We're going to get into the lineups. I've got something that I want to mention, but you know, I know you want to say something as well. Most notably, we have to highlight that big hole in the front line of our attack. Scarf, Dio. Wow. Yeah, number 99, Adama Diamande. And both Philly and I have a little bit to say about this. So if you guys don't mind in Defenders, just sit back, relax, and listen to two of us give our points of view on what's going on right now with number 99, Adama Diamande. And I guess I would like to start my feelings on the Dio situation by asking a, a simple question. Who are we to judge anybody else? And let me explain. I have no insider information. I have no firsthand knowledge of what is going on with Adama Diamande. However, everything that we have seen, heard, and experienced during Dio's time on the black and gold leads me to believe that everything that is happening here has nothing to do with drugs or alcohol. Couple that with the information that we have from Kevin Baxter, a reporter from the Los Angeles Times, and I'll go out on a limb and say I'm 100% sure that this really doesn't have anything to do with either of those things. So what does that leave? It leaves several possibilities. Maybe it's family-related. Maybe he's homesick, but I I don't think that's it. He played in Europe, and he played for a bunch of other teams during the course of his career. So I, I don't think he's homesick, but maybe. Just maybe it's something personal, something that might have to do with his faith. Most fans would like athletes to be able to separate their faith from their sport. After all, aren't these athletes paid high salaries and given many other benefits to be able to play kids games like soccer, basketball, baseball, or football? They should be able to tune everything out and just play, right? To that statement, I wholeheartedly disagree. For many of these athletes, their strength lies in their ability to use their faith to allow them to exhibit strength on the pitch, the baseball diamond, or the field. Their faith is what propels them to take on three defenders the way Latif Blessing did several times this last game, or to bore through a back line with reckless abandon the way we have seen Dio do time and time again. Their faith allows them to succeed on the highest of levels. Athletic success and excellence, however, should not preclude them from being a practicing member of of their faith. Imagine showing up to work every day, whatever you do, and feeling uncomfortable because of what your faith may tell you. Maybe your faith tells you that alcohol or eating to excess are against your beliefs, but you're a server at a restaurant or a cook in a kitchen. 
Maybe your faith takes you to the soccer pitch. And so much of what you see going on around you in the stands, while it might be harmless and innocuous to us, most of us in the stands, is at odds with what you believe in. Maybe that's what's going on inside Adama Diamande. I'll ask again, who are we to judge? After all, one of our very own, Walker Zimmerman, considers himself among the athletes for Christ. Clearly, he is faith-based. Let's not forget that well before Clayton Kershaw, Oral Hershiser, Fernando Valenzuela, there was Sandy Koufax who elected not to pitch in a World Series game because it fell on Yom Kippur, which conflicted with his religious beliefs. It must be hard every day showing up to work, giving your heart and soul in a black and gold uniform and still feeling torn apart inside. I'm not sure that's exactly what's going on with Adama Diamande, but I can tell you that it's not drugs. It's not alcohol. Moreover, Philly, it takes a much bigger person to voluntarily ask for help not only when you need it, but when you need it most. It takes an even bigger person to ask for that help not when it's convenient, but it, when it comes what as fans perceive as the worst possible time. It takes an even bigger person to ask for that help when your spot in the lineup or your job in general may be in jeopardy because they've just brought another player over. And it takes an even bigger person to be able to actually find that help that they need. But you know what doesn't take a big person? And I know you're going to talk about this too. Going on social media, hiding behind your keyboard and that fake made-up name that you have on Instagram, on Twitter, or on Facebook and typing things like junkie, loser, what a waste. And finally, we can get someone in there that we need. To those people, I ask you to search your faith. There are people standing shoulder to shoulder with you at Bank of California Stadium that believe in some of the same things that Dio believes in and some of the same things that you believe believe in, but I would find it hard to believe that there are people who would stand shoulder to shoulder with you if you had to put your real name behind those comments or you had to say that to somebody face to face. The hardest thing you can do is to ask for help when those around you may ridicule you or question you the most. And that's what Dio did. And I, for one, will be standing shoulder to shoulder with him throughout the entire process, whether he is black and gold or not. And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under my real name, J.R. Liebert. Yes, I have a handle for the scarf, and yes, I post under Defenders, but if I have something to say, I'm going to put my real name behind it. And now you know it. I've had the honor and privilege of witnessing Verbal Gold in Philomonster Studios time and time again, 60 episodes. I have to say, that, that really was beautiful. I, I am in awe and in complete agreement, and I definitely stand shoulder to shoulder with you, my friend, with those comments. I, I couldn't have put them any better myself. I mean, whatever the truth may be, and you mentioned it, whatever the deal is, we love Dio. We wish him all the best. Take all the time you need. You said it. It takes guts to admit you have a problem. The first step in fixing a problem is admitting that you have one. The timing of this is to no avail. I'm sure some of you are down on the fact that we are ending the season with one of our key contributors out, but that's a selfish thing. It's not like any of us ever plan on having problems sprung on us when the time is right. It's ridiculous. The time is never right. I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Set of Problems, but I can't deal with you today because I'm in the middle of whatever campaign. Ah! Better that he does this when he feels that he is ready than for something awful to happen and for him to involuntarily head in that direction. 
deal. Your well-being is what we care about here at Defenders of the Bank. We got nothing but love and respect for you as a human being, and we wish you all the best. I do have to address what you said earlier, Scarf, yep. about this the social media stuff. I came across comments. I'm not going to state the comments. I mean, you already did. It's okay. That was a couple of, of several. I'm oh, not there put there were way up. worse, though. You're right. There yeah. were way worse. Way worse. I'm not going to mention them anymore or any of the other stuff. I'm not going to put anybody on blast because that's what, not what I'm here to do. But we are here at Defenders of the Bank have no tolerance for ignorance and negativity. I had to scrub out a few comments because they were awful, disparaging, and out of line. When one of our own is down, we fight to pick them up. We support each other. We rise together. We are all in this together. Together we are strong. We are family here at LAFC. We stand shoulder to shoulder. Even if I don't know you, we still cheer and wallow together. It's easy when things are good, but true family sticks together in tough times. That's how I believe bonds get forged and solidified. Not when life is hunky-dory and filled with balloons and cotton candy. That's fake superficial. Derogatory comments will be deleted immediately, and ignorance will not be given any attention or any mind or any response on anything that we post. For those fans out there who didn't have anything positive to say about Dio and his situation, turn your LAFC jersey in right now, jump on that freeway, head towards Carson because that's where your BS belongs. You do have the right to comment freely, but we too have the right to delete your garbage. Our posts are meant to inform, not to induce disparaging commentary. For those of you whose comments I deleted, I will leave you with some food for thought, and I will do so in the form of a quote. It is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Put that in your mug and drink it. We are going to raise our glasses to Dio's well-being right now, Scarf. Cheers. And that concludes another segment of Rants with Philly and the Scarf. Dude, that is absolutely right. Let's get in to the game recap. And again, I want to appreciate everybody who follows and listens to Defenders of the Bank Look, it's not very often that there is something that comes up regarding LAFC that makes us both feel so incredibly passionate that doesn't have something to do with what happened on the pitch. And this was one of those things where we just, we got to stand shoulder to shoulder with Dio. That's the bottom line with what we're talking about here. So thank you guys all for listening. Philly, let's talk real quick about the lineup that Toronto rolled out. You know, it was a lineup that we were expecting, obviously. They came out in their very familiar formation, the 4-2-3-1, with a MLS rookie, Quentin Westberg, back there in goal. Chris Mavinga, Omar Gonzalez. Yes, former Carson Omar Gonzalez back there, along with Auro and Richie Larea, Marco Delgado, Jonathan Osorio, Michael Bradley, yes, of the Bradley clan, Josie Altador. Tsubusa Endo, and we'll have to talk about him during the course of this broadcast, and Alejandro Pozuelo. I, myself, Philly, was excited to be able to watch Pozuelo coming into this game. He leads Toronto with both 11 goals and 11 assists and is one of the very few true number 10s in this league that can put it in the back of the net as often as possible. And we mentioned, of course, look, there are some other guys in the 18, but they're sitting there was Laurent Simon, and you and I both really wanted to see Simon take the pitch in this game. But Philly, how about the lineup for your LAFC black and gold? I will correct you and say our 
LAFC black and gold. It was the starting lineup you and I had anticipated. Of course, we had Tyler Miller back there, Eddie Segura, Walker Zimmerman, Jordan Harvey, Stephen Betashore, our midfield, Edward Atuesta, Latif Blessing, Mark Anthony Kay, Carlos Vela playing the center striker role along with Diego Rossi and Brian Raito Rodriguez. It was so much nicer seeing Vela and Rodriguez out there together as opposed to Rodriguez coming in for Vela. That was an odd sight, and that might as well have been some of our wait what, what? moments. Our bench consisted of Lee Wynn, Tristan Blackman, name that Perez scarf. Adrian. Loyola Marymount's very own. Dejan Djokovic, Mohamed Almanir, Diego Palacios, and Pablo Cisniega. Yeah, so, Philly, this was the first time in the 18 for Diego Palacios, so congratulations. Yeah, and I know he's getting his work in. It's only going to be a matter of time before he actually puts his feet on that pitch. And, you know, after the last several games that we've had where we've had ties, I think a lot of our fans out there are definitely excited to see a fresh pair of legs out in that back line. Got to, I still love all our players out there, but it would be really interesting to see how talented this kid really is. Now, let's get into the game itself. Rather a dull affair for the first 18 minutes of the game, Scarf. But in the 19th, with six LAFC players in the box... Unable to clear a ball that gets dribbled in by Richie Larea. His pass attempt gets deflected off of Eddie Segura and finds its way to Mark Anthony Kay. Mark Anthony Kay couldn't get the ball out of the box and he got his pocket picked. The ball found its way over to Josie Altador, who had a nice pass to Endo. He beat Tyler Miller for his third goal of the season to open up the scoring. So many LAFC players, and yet Toronto still finds a way to score. Just like that again, 20 minutes into the game, we find ourselves having to overcome another deficit. This is what, the fourth time in the stretch of games that we haven't won, where we find ourselves coming back from behind? Not good, man. Not good enough. The boys got caught flat-footed. But even if Tyler Miller made the save, See, and this is so important. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Even if Tyler Miller made the save, Larea was right there, unmarked in front of the box. Atuesta and Segura were behind him. If that took a deflection, he could have easily had a rebound goal. That play, the back line failed to clear the ball. Once it made its way to Josie Altidore, we were in trouble. Had Miller made the save, fine. Had it not gone that way, it would have been Larea scoring the goal. Our goose was cooked. And it started by us breaking down and, and giving not being able to clear a ball with six of our guys in the back line. Yeah, you know, you had mentioned not much happened in the first 19, but you know, from about the 10th minute until about the 17th, again, it was just a few more opportunities for Toronto. And I was like, uh-oh. This is starting not to look like it's going our way already. Look, Edward Atuesta in the 10th minute had several deflections and passes to start runs, really showing why he was one of the players, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, who was named a finalist for a Major League Soccer award at the end of the season. He, by the way, a finalist for MVP. When was the last time you had a player who was a finalist for MVP that couldn't find his way into the All-Star game? (laughs) An absolute travesty there. You know, we, we had a great pass by Bob's kid in the 14th to start a run. <laughs> Nothing happened. 16th minute, they had that questionable foul call on Latif, which led to that Pozuelo free kick. 17th minute, a scramble to clear, and nothing could happen out of that. And you mentioned the turnover into the box. Philly, after 20 minutes, LAFC had zero shots on goal, and it looked pretty ugly. And we're talking about, I think the most frustrating part 
is that we just didn't see that same speed, that same quickness, that same connectivity in our passes, the way that we've seen so incredibly often. You know, in the 24th minute, like I had mentioned kind of in our open, Latif, for one of what would be two or three times in this game, took on three defenders. You know, unfortunately, nothing could come of it. And in the 25th minute, man, this miscommunication between Edward Atuesta and Jordan Harvey led to Atuesta just passing it out of bounds through our back line for a corner kick. Luckily, nothing happened off the corner. But, you know, it was pretty frustrating leading into the 28th. The foul situation, 6 nothing LAFC. We were definitely reacting more than we were a proactive team on defense. But also, it looked like a few players on Toronto had their speedos on, ready to take on Diego Rossi for top diver. Uh. Really frustrating the way that we were playing. 30th minute, we had Walker Zimmerman, who made that great block and then another save, a diving save there by Walker Zimmerman. Our back line looked shaky at best you know Philly we had that nice moment there in the 33rd we thought that we would have something between Carlos Vela to Diego Rossi the goal but unfortunately clearly Diego Rossi was offside and nullified the goal yeah one thing that happened in the 31st minute though Scarf oh yeah we've seen and we had seen some more flashes of brilliance from Brian Rodriguez off of a short corner kick from Raito to Rossi and back to Raito, he fires a missile in the direction of the net. And this rookie keeper, Westberg, he looked really good, by the way. I was quite impressed with the uh, the number of saves yeah. and the uh, the quality of saves he made. Yeah. But, man, outside of the box, and we've been complaining since last season, our boys are they're not very selfish. I mean, this goes back to even like Marco Urania. You, you, I could have screamed bloody murder at the amount of times I would yell shoot anytime he had the ball in the box. We don't have too many players who kick outside, but Raito, he just, he fired that missile and he's only played a couple of games. I know he's going to start getting like adjusted to things. It's only a matter of time before he scores, scores a goal, but that almost was the first one. It was a heck of a rocket. It was... Yeah, I mean, those flashes of brilliance. The few times you get to see him play, and yeah, he's made some mistakes. He needs to, like, find that chemistry with the boys. But, man, I said it last pod. This kid's going to be good for our squad, Scar. Yeah, Philly, we mentioned down 6 nothing in fouls there in, like, the 25th. Well, that corner you mentioned there in the 31st was our first corner of the game. How often have we gone 31 minutes into a game without a corner 36-minute Philly. This is when I knew we weren't just playing against the team in red. We were playing against the yellow team as well. Boo, yellow team. A clear handball not called on Toronto, but then a foul called right back the other way on the counter on LAFC. And now the foul situation, 36 minutes in, is 8-1 LAFC. Now, again, some of this is because we were late and reacting, but you can't tell me that they had only committed one foul 36 minutes in. In the 41st, you know, we had a little bit of action there with Carlos getting taken down from behind right after he got his shot off. Of course, no call. Brian got behind the defense and couldn't make a soft touch. So it was, like I had mentioned in the opening, I was so frustrated about 40 minutes into the game. Uh, Philly, it was one of those things where I just kind of sat in silence and stewed and brewed and and, and watched the game. Uh, it was just so frustrating. You're you're an interesting person and somebody I would not want to play poker with because I spent a lot of my time with you and I couldn't tell at all 
even during the tailgate, as you alluded to earlier, that you were at all frustrated with anything. I'd hate to play poker with you. I'd be the easiest person to play poker in the world with because they'd see me and go, ah, I know exactly what's on Philly's mind. Here, let's all, let's take his money. Yeah, you'd throw your cards across the room every now and then, too. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an emotional guy. But you, we talked about Carlos getting fouled in the box. I do want to give credit where credit is due. Atuesta intercepted a lazy pass from Toronto. Kay was there to pick up the interception. And man, he threaded the needle with a beautiful pass to a charging Carlos Vela, who tried to put it in the money spot, but missed to the left. He had Westberg beat. It just wasn't in the direction that we needed it to go. He got taken down. Everybody in the bank wanted that penalty. And I'm thinking he should have gotten that penalty. But Scarf, the laws of physics dictate, and you're a school teacher, you know this. The laws of physics dictate that every action causes an equal, if not bigger, reaction. Now, this reaction doesn't happen till the end of the game, and we'll bring it up later, but I want you to just remember that moment where he got fouled in the box in the 40th minute and nothing happened. And that really was the story of the first half. Yeah, no added time was almost like a mercy killing, I felt like, so we could just get into the halftime and not think about it anymore. Yeah, no kidding. And we were we were terrible that first half. Terrible. I mean, we weren't LAFC. We, we were, everybody played for Toronto. All 22 men in the first half played for Toronto. It wasn't the team that we had seen. Don't forget the yellow games. team. Don't forget the yellow team. We're going to talk about them. I have a little rant about them a little later on <laughs> in the 90 plus fifth minute. All right. Even though it worked in our favor, I still want to comment on that but yeah that was the tale of the first half a one to forget I remember sitting there in my chair in disbelief I'm thinking what the heck is going on is this like am I being punked like what what's happened to our team why why are we down going into the half at home we don't lose at home we we dominate teams We, we we embarrass them could this be a thing of late season fatigue did all the LAFC players catch what Darnold, the rookie, well, the second season quarterback of the Jets, did they all catch mono just like he did? Like, what the heck is going on? But whatever Bob said to them, whatever he threw, whatever. We met Bob the other day. Bob's a fiery guy. I can imagine the the, the words that he used, but he <laughs> definitely inspired them in the second half because it was a much better performance. He's got one of those voices, Bob Bradley. We were lucky enough to be in Founders Club, like you mentioned, for that meet and greet with Bob. And he's got one of those voices, even if it's just a casual conversation that you're having with him. I don't know if it's the tone, if it's the pitch, if it's his posture or, or what it is. All those things. It's the Jersey kind of, factor. It's honestly, he, he's he's not intimidating, but every syllable that he has come out of his mouth makes you respect him more than the syllable before that. He's a guy that can grab your attention. And, you know, I thought it was really interesting, Philly. You and I asked him when we had a moment to chat with him about what it's like coaching in this type of game. And he told us something that we didn't know. The game that he coached last year, where we won four to two, that was the first time he'd ever coached against his son, Michael. So this was only time number two that he was coaching against Michael Bradley. And he said, look, it's it's just a nervous feel. He said his wife doesn't know whether or not to come to the games. I believe we saw her at the game as she was walking towards one of the suites there in Founders. You know, it's got to be tough sitting across the Thanksgiving dinner table asking someone to pass the peas or the mashed potatoes who you know you either beat or lost to at some mm. point during your job earlier that year. But, you know, I felt like we looked a little bit better to come out there in the second half. I do want to mention, Philly, I know we haven't gone over stats for the whole game yet, but a stat that I know is true from the first half, the only shot on goal that we gave up 
in that first half was the shot that found the back of the net for Toronto. So despite some of the holes that we felt like we saw and some of the shaky play on our back line, you know, we only gave up the one shot on goal throughout the entire first half. More on that later when we get to our end of game stats. You know, Carlos Vela came out kind of with his hair on fire. He had a shot deflected, then another shot. And it looked like for a little bit, they moved him outside. They moved him out wide for a little bit. And then just flash forward a couple minutes later, he had another shot block after a beautiful takeaway by Edward Atuesta. And I felt like, okay, we're starting to see my big hope from playing Raito and Rossi on the outside and Vela in the middle is that we'd start to see a lot of those chances that I think we generated in the FC Dallas match, which we lost one nothing. Even though we generated a lot of chances, Vela just couldn't put him on net. I was really hoping that this new formation with Vela in the middle would create more chances, and I felt like that's what we started to see at the beginning of the second half. 100%. I mean, the 46-minute, we did see an opportunity. Edward Atuesta had a free kick. It missed to the left. Rookie keeper Westberg didn't even have to make any moves. 49th minute, though, a couple minutes later, we actually had some more drama. Blessing, wheeling and dealing, finds his way into the box and, and passes a ball to Tristan Blackman, who was open on the right. He tried to finesse the ball around some Toronto defenders, but he got denied. The ball deflects to Carlos Vela, and his finessing, obviously, is a lot different than Tristan Blackman's. Carlos Vela faked Michael Bradley out of his shin guards. I had to go back and watch the replay on this several times. It was a thing of beauty. Unfortunately, his shot was saved again by Westberg, and you made the comment about the game against FC Dallas. It was almost comical that Carlos Vela couldn't find the back of the net in that game. Yep. At some point, you just have to put your hands in your head and go, all right, it's just not going to be our kind of a day. And we're thinking that... That would have been the same case yep. for, for this game as well. Could we have seen a second loss at the bank? We hadn't seen many losses at the bank, period. You know, again, you're thinking, is this going to be our kind of a night? Yeah, Philly, you and I looked down at our notes, and from about the 50th minute to about the 72nd or so, we really didn't have a whole lot to talk about, not generating a lot of chances. In fact, to me, the most exciting thing that happened throughout those last 20 minutes that we had just talked about in the 71st minute, Edward Atuesta fouled just outside the box. Free kick by Brian Rodriguez. He blasted that thing off of Josie Altador, who looked like that one really hurt. Huh. And I look over to check the time. Okay, I got to take a note on this one. And what do I see? The board in the south end is showing our 18. And 18 was a significant number because shown on the board was our seven substitutes. And in the 18, they showed number 18. And I get to use my favorite nickname that we've ever had here at LAFC. Why was three umlauts Nico Hamalainen mentioned in our 18? Clearly, they had Oopsie. not. Uh, look, look, I tell my kids all the time in Latin class that, look, I really want you to try and spell well because in real life, spelling counts. But look, it's not going to matter on this particular test. Well, spelling counted there because they spelled Diego Palacios with three umlauts for some reason. So <laughs> I was excited just to be able to throw in three umlauts, Nico Hamalainen, in our podcast episode. I missed that kid just because I had my favorite name of anyone that's ever played for LAFC. So that that was about all I had going into the 73rd minute. You know, what I loved about that 73rd minute was that Brian Rodriguez made this great run 
He forced a corner. The ball was saved over the bar. And again, you talked about this, this Westberg kid, he looked pretty good in goal. He has started, I believe, 25 or 26 of the games this season. Philly, their backup goalie is Alex Bono. No relation to you too, but uh. he was actually called in to the U.S. men's national team camp, Bono, and he can't even get into the starting lineup for Toronto FC. Pretty interesting. And off of that corner from Brian Rodriguez, a ball to Carlos Vela, found Mark Anthony K all alone inside the box could not head it on target it wasn't even close and with that in the 75th minute we saw Walker leave for Lee Wynn yeah he did but in the 72nd Walker might have almost banged in a, a header Harvey had a great pass to Zimmerman who tried to head one past Westberg but he made another save. Yeah, there was supposed was to be denied. a seamless transition to that one, and I got about one minute ahead of myself, so thank you for backing up there. Hmm. You know, Walker has scored all but one of his career goals in Major League Soccer off of set pieces. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and you know what you and I both got excited about, Philly, is right at about the 75th, 76th minute, we saw over on the Toronto sidelines something that we had hoped to see from the very start of the game, taking off his warm-up penny and checking in over at the fourth official, we saw Laurent Simon getting ready to come into the game. And I was shocked that they took out Alejandro Pozuelo yeah. for Laurent Simon. Now look, from the time that Simon came in until the end of the game, they basically played five on the back line. So I got it. That is called parking the bus. And they definitely did that with Laurent Simon. My next note, Philly, I got two notes here before we get to the 80th. I got 78th minute. All I wrote was, we look lost on offense. <laughs> that's, that's all I wrote. We look lost on offense. Yeah, sure, we might have strung together six, seven, eight passes in a row, but maybe one of those was a forward pass. I don't know what was going on there. And in the 79th minute, look, I wrote here, everyone in Toronto must be on the same cycle because they all got cramps at about the same time. <laughs> everyone went down. The stall tactic had begun. The bus had been parked. And all of a sudden, a slow-looking LAFC team was now forced to play in quicksand by Toronto coming in to the 80th minute. And, and honestly, it was frustrating watching those last 10 minutes before we got to stoppage time because we just couldn't generate anything. And I feel like we've taken up large portions of this game by saying not a whole lot to talk about. We couldn't generate anything. That's how we felt. LMU's very own, name that Perez, Adrian, comes in in the 89th minute for Mark Anthony K, who just did not have a great game last night against Toronto. And honestly, up until the 90th plus five, they're really wasn't much to talk about but philly like i had mentioned in my opening right at the end of our childhood cancer fundraiser a blessing came well right at the end of this i i learned a new term i really didn't know this term i guess it's more of a european term but at the death which is what they call i guess that last minute before the referee is set to blow his whistle at the death we get our own blessing in the form of latif in our pain, we find our faith, and we found physics. <laughs> the 92nd minute, <laughs> Edward Atuesta floated a ball in towards Latif Blessing. 
He caught a Muay Thai-style knee to the chest from Mavinga. This thing was nasty. <laughs> the fact that they had to go to VAR for it, though, uh. blows my mind. We talked about yellow. It doesn't get any more obvious than that. Mavinga wasn't even close to making contact with the ball. Guy catches a knee to the chest when the ball wasn't even near it. He trapped it and then boom, it's like he got Conor McGregor or, or, or Nate Diaz or whoever, insert whatever MMA fighter you're a fan of. The fact that they had to go to VAR. <laughs> and then you watch the replay on TV and you're like, what game? Are these guys in yellow watching to the point that they have to go to the monitors <laughs> to, to dictate whether or not this was a foul? I get it. You missed some things, but it's did this guy just blink? Did all of them blink? How did it not become a foregone conclusion? <laughs> yes, fine. Maybe they just needed to double check. But to me, it's just like no questions asked. The fact that we had to wait 180 seconds for them to blow the whistle and it be a Penalty kick still blows my mind, but we are Major League Soccer and we use pro referees. And there is a reason why things in Europe and South America are a little better at times. But we did get bailed out by physics, Scarf. We did. Plain and simple. And here's the unfortunate part for Mavinga. He wasn't trying to take out Latif. I genuinely don't think that he knew Latif had the position on him that he did. He was literally just trying to play the ball out on the back line so that they could get a corner kick rather than the opportunity that Latif was generating. But They felt the pain in Ghana, my friend. That was a nasty Dude, knee. He got all of Latif on that one, but this was pointed out in the WhatsApp chat did you see Laurent Simon? As soon as the play happened, he went over to the referee going, no, 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 no. That wasn't a foul. That wasn't a foul. I'm like, Laurent, he cleaned him out, man, with a knee, with his whole leg. Like, I know he wanted it not to be a foul, but I think Laurent was doing that because he saw it was such an egregious foul. And at least, <laughs> like we mentioned, the sunlight shone through the clouds in the sky, Birds overhead were chirping. Our MVP steps up to the line. And I loved what Jordan Harvey said. He said, look, we knew once we got it to the penalty spot that Carlos was going to hammer it home. He's absolutely right. Carlos puts it in the back of the net. Goal number 29. Here we are, three games left in the season. And we'll talk about all of the LAFC chasing history and the Supporters' Shield update at the end. But Philly, hmm. it's an MVP moment from Carlos Vela, but in my opinion, from an MVP of the game who earned it in Latif Blessing. Indeed, had he not gotten the knee to the chest, this this wouldn't have been a thing. I mean, honestly, the only thing more blatant is if Mavinga took off his cleat and started smashing Latif <laughs> with it. I mean, it doesn't get any more blatant than that. You said it, Vela takes it, 95th, 90 plus 5, 29th goal of the season. He gave Westberg a bit of the, how's your father? And, and <laughs> we notched that in, in a while. There you go. <laughs> notched that. Going back to the laws of physics, every action causes an equal, if not bigger, reaction. The refs missed the penalty in the 40th. We got it back in the 95th. We get bailed out by physics and faith, plain and simple. But this was a really, really frustrating match to watch. It's not like we didn't have our chances. I mean, we had 17 shots with five on goal. We almost lost another one at home, but we got bailed out. And as nice as that was, it's still frustrating to take another tie. New York City, as of this moment right now, the time is exactly 
4.53 p.m. And on Philly, Sunday. I have breaking news. It was a tie last yes, I checked. still a tie. Okay. That was okay, good. That was the breaking <laughs> news. Just what last we told our listeners, not that they're listening to us live, but last we told our listeners it was one nothing NYCFC. Well, at Toyota Stadium, Zednek on Jurassic in the 66th minute Nets the equalizer for FC Dallas. Right now, they're in the 80th minute. This is, look, we're talking it to you as if you're going to listen to it live. Of course, you're just going to go on ESPN, say, oh, look, NYCFC in Dallas. Here's what happened. Look, we're kind of watching it live. So here we are, 82nd minute as I update my phone. We've got a 1-1 tie. Shots relatively even in this game. Shots on goal relatively even in this game. Fouls even. It seems like, wow, wow, check this out. All right, here we go. We got 12 fouls apiece, two yellow cards apiece, six corner kicks apiece, three saves apiece, four shots on goal apiece. This is a pretty even game we got going on so far here in Dallas. A win for NYCFC. I hope I don't jinx it by saying that. We give them 60 points, which would leave them only five behind us with three games to go. Well, now if they do win, we're using the hashtag Blame Philly. Yes. <laughs> it's been a lot of Blame Phillies lately. Jeez. <laughs> no, but we're, we're inching closer and closer to things. The race to the shield is close. Yep. The race to the golden boot is close, too, because the Carsonian Lions scored again in their matchup. And he's creeping up on Vela for that golden boot. You know what? Let's go over the stats. Let's close <laughs> out this Toronto game. And then we'll get into a little bit of chasing history and the Supporter Shield update. All right. Possession, LAFC 57% of the time to Toronto's 43. But despite this, Toronto for the first half sure looked like they were the better team. The foul situation, although it was really lopsided for a good portion of the game, it actually leveled itself out quite nicely. 11 Fouls on LAFC to Toronto's 10. Yellow cards, they both tied each other apiece. Goose egg on the red cards. It wasn't you know that brutal of a game that way. Corner kicks, though. We started getting some. LAFC had 11. Toronto only had four. The difference being is that Tyler Miller did not make any saves in this matchup. Westberg, on the other hand, made four. Shots by LAFC, 17 with five on target. Toronto, Eight with one on target, but that one on target was the only one that mattered. But I asked you earlier, what the heck's going on? Is it late season fatigue? Have the rest of the teams in the league figured out how to play us? I don't know. It's better tying than losing, but man, our team has spoiled us with the way they crushed teams earlier in the season. I really hope they can get it together, clinch the darn shield, and make a deep run and win the MLS Cup, but it's not, not looking good right now. We have to factor in the point that we still have home field advantage for the playoff scarf, and we are millimetering our way to the shield. LAFC is a team based in Los Angeles, and Los Angeles is very much synonymous with Hollywood, and LAFC is being very Hollywood with us right now, Scarf. And what I mean by that is they're really making it dramatic coming in towards the final scene. I'm at the edge of my seat for sure. I hope my nails and cuticles can hold up. Yeah, like you mentioned, they are making it nice and dramatic. We had a massive lead in the Supporters' Shield race, and we were bearing down on just about every single record in MLS for a team and for individual players. So let's talk real quick about some chasing history. Most goals in a season. Now, Carlos Vela sits on 29 with three games remaining. Of course, the record set last year, 31 by Joseph Martinez. So he needs three goals to break it in the final three games. 
most points in a season. The old record was 38. Carlos Vela now sits on 44 with his 29 goals and 15 assists, so obviously obliterating that record. For a team, the most points in a season through 31 games, LAFC now sits on 65 points. The record was set by the New York Red Bulls at 71, our best that we can do. Wow, it just seems like yesterday where we were talking about the best that we could do was 85 or then even 83 or then even 80, but now here we sit. The best we can do is 74 points on the season, so still three clear of the record. Most wins in a season, we are still five games after I said this for the first time, sitting on 19 wins. Now the best we can do is tie the record of 22 wins overall, also set last year. Team goals in a season, this was one that we were going to smash. And now it's going to take a Herculean effort just to get there. We now sit on 78 goals. We are seven behind the record of 85 set by the 98 Galaxy. So we need seven goals to tie that record in our last three games. Of course we can do it. We've had four. We've had five. But we need to get seven over the last three games. And it's been a long time since we've scored a ton of goals. Of course, the goal differential record still sits at plus 44. We haven't moved that goal differential in quite some time. Philly mentioned all the ties. And now we are just two points behind Atlanta United, 124 to 122 over the most points scored in your first two seasons. Finally, Philly, you mentioned it. If the result holds, that means NYCFC will have a best possible total of 67 points if they can find a way to win it'll be sitting at 69 like we mentioned the best that we can do is 74 we're currently sitting at 65 which means our next win will give us the supporter shield no matter what happens as long as this tie holds if it doesn't hold we've got to wait another week if we win that'll put us at 68 and then we wait to see what nycfc does but that is your Supporter Shield update. Yeah, and our next opportunity to get some points, hopefully win a game, is going to be Wednesday. It is a quick turnaround. We have two games left at the bank, three games all season. Wednesday, we're going to find ourselves in a position where we're going to play the Houston Dynamo. And that means the return of Christian Ramirez. I am awfully curious as to how the 22,000 are going to welcome Christian. I don't know if it's going to be the same kind of reception as Simon. And I know a lot more people are going to be a little more vocal about this one. But, yeah. you know, he's gotten three goals for the Dynamo since departing LAFC. He even scored and assisted last night in the win over Orlando. Yeah, Philly, he scored in the game that clinched us the Western Conference Championship for Houston. He scored the second goal in that 2 nothing oh, win for Houston. Right. You're right. And yeah, we'll see, you know, what what happens. After that, we're going to go over to Minnesota. We're going to we're going to meet the Wonderwall. And we're going to hopefully take a three-point win on the road. Well, three-goal, which would mean three-point. I don't know what I'm saying. I, you, I hope we win you there anyway. three-point both times. You okay, cool. It. Just make it sure. Just make it sure. Yeah. And then we end the season October 6th at the bank against the Colorado Rapids in what is going to be Tim Howard's final, final game. That one is going to be interesting because it is a Sunday game. 
And like last season, it's an early, early start. Yep. It's not going to be 7 p.m. We are not going to be tailgating on Christmas Tree Lane from 10 to 5 like we normally do. The game's going to kick off at 1 p.m. So we're probably going to be there, what, for breakfast? Yeah, I'll tell you. Hey, look, if the anything. Fields makes some fantastic breakfast burritos. And if there's one thing that we know, Philly, it's that the Cuervos and Relentless are two next-door neighbors for every time that we've set up. We never go hungry. We never. And okay, one last quick shout out. Inland Element, we were over there at their tent. LAO, we were over there at their tent. Between the amount of food and drink that those two supporters groups gave us on our last tailgate this last Saturday too, I have to tell you, I just want to say thank you for that. And also, I'm a little upset. We were inviting a lot of people out, Philly. We are co-sponsoring a pretty cool event at Bank of California Stadium on the 28th, next Saturday. Defenders of the Bank and the Fields co-sponsoring Oktoberfest. Please head on over to the link on Eventbrite. You can find the link on our page as well on Instagram. Head on over to the link, sign up, and come to Oktoberfest next weekend, September 28th. I'm only upset because, Philly, you and I are pretty jealous. We talked to a ton of different people that are heading out to Minnesota to that new beautiful stadium, Allianz Field. It's going to be cool. It's going to be incredible. But look, you and I get the privilege of co-hosting Oktoberfest. If you are not coming to Minnesota to go see LAFC play against the Wonderwall, please, next Saturday, head over to Oktoberfest. We might not be tailgating on that last Sunday, but we're certainly going to have a good time at Oktoberfest. Sign up, grab your tickets. They're free. Tickets are free, I believe, right? I think they're free. I think so, too. Yeah, I might have to go look that up. Check out the link over on our page for Oktoberfest. We are going to be continuing the Childhood Cancer Fundraiser. We're going to be doing it all the way through the 28th. We had a great turnout, and like I said, while I was a little disappointed at the start of it all, it picked up quite nicely. If your friends or your family didn't get a chance to come out and purchase one of our yellow Defenders of the Bank logo pins with $5 from every pin going to the Children's Oncology Group Foundation, you'll still have a chance to do that. If you wanted to purchase some more LAFC cards, that'll be at our booth as well. If you want to see Philly and probably me in later Hosen as well, you're going to come and check that out. Of course, Scarfette will be there. Nina Panda will be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Please come out to Oktoberfest on the 28th. It'll be a fantastic time. And it'll be downstairs, that cool little outside bar right there next to Free Play and the entrance to the lobby there, that grand lobby that they have in the front. Please come out to Oktoberfest. It's going to be an incredible time. Philly and probably me and later Hosen. Uh, come on out, guys. And you know what? I'm going to raise the ante on this one. If you happen to come to Oktoberfest, also wearing later hosen, Jonathan Reimer, Boozology, you are excluded from this because I know, already know that you own them. But if you come <laughs> to Oktoberfest wearing later hosen, Philly and the Scarf will buy you a couple of rounds of beers. And by a couple, I literally mean just two. But yes, we will buy you rounds to say, hey, you know what? You guys gave me the idea. I've got later hosen on. I'm here to collect my beers. We will happily buy them for you. I'm kind of assuming no one's really going to wear later hosen other than you and I. But hey, prove me wrong. Oktoberfest officially started in Munich yesterday, and it will run until October the 6th. People out there that don't know are like, I thought Oktoberfest was only in October. I am dispelling the myth. It happens 
starting in September, ending October 6th. Wear your later hosen, get a couple of free rounds on Philly and the Scarf, and let's have some fun. Jonathan, I'll buy you a round. Don't worry, buddy. Yeah, you I'll buy you a round anyway, hosen. but you're excluded because I already know you own later hosen. We met you last year while you were wearing <laughs> later hosen. I hope to see you again wearing later hosen. One last thing I want you to mention, Philly, because you are a subscriber to Away Days and the cool program that they have there. You uh, didn't get a chance to open up your package yesterday with your new kit, or at least you started to and then threw it down and then passed out and went to sleep. So I don't know if you actually opened it up and saw what was inside. But Panda and I last night did. We pulled it out. And the first thing I said was, what is Port Vale FC. It honestly looks like a high school like matriculation kit, kind of a jersey there. It's kind of a cross between Peanuts, Charlie Brown. <laughs> it's But it's really cool. Philly, tell them all about Away Days and the last jersey that you received a couple days ago. I got to give a shout out to the boys over at Heart of LAFC. If it wasn't for Jerry and Joseph, I would have never heard about Away Days. I love this. I just concluded my second renewal of the three-month subscription. I've gotten six months worth of jerseys for 150 bucks. I got Ipswich Town, Nottingham Forest, Sunderland, Birmingham City, and Middlesbrough. These are all teams that, for the most part, if you follow the English Premier League or the Championship League, you've heard of all five of them. But I got my sixth one, and I'm looking at this thing, and it says Port Vale FC. And I know a lot about the game, and I know a lot of clubs. Instantly, I went on the internet just to find out who the heck Port Vale is. Turns out that they are a fourth division team in England. You might, basically a pub league, in a way. That would be USL League 2, for those of you keeping score about American soccer. Now I'm even more intrigued. I'm going to renew my membership because now there's a whole division of English football that I don't have any concept of. And now I am a Port Vale FC supporter. Thank you, Away Days, for finding, again, another reason to separate me from my wallet. Yeah, you know, there are 72 teams in USL League 2, by the way. And I'm just going to name for you, if you don't mind, just a couple of the current clubs in USL League 2. And if any of them would like to send us jerseys here, I would be all for it. One of them in particular, Philly, the Westchester Flames out of New Rochelle, New York. I want to go see a Westchester Flames game. You also probably want to see a Manhattan SC game out of New York City, New York. And do they play? Chelsea Pierce? Oh, wait, hold on. I got the answer for you because I'm looking it up right now. They play at a park called Gaelic Park in Randall's Island. I, oh, I don't know where that is. Oh, Randall's Island is just across the East River. Yeah, and I know where City Park Stadium is, where New Rochelle, New York, where they play there. And I'm going to go. What's really cool, though, Philly, is also in USL League 2, which, is, again, is like single-A baseball for all of you keeping track. There's MLS, there's USL Championship, USL League 1, and then all the way down at the bottom – USL League 2, there's also the New York Red Bulls under-23 team that plays in that. There's a North Carolina FC under-23 team. There are a lot of other teams that we have heard of, but there's another cool one, Tobacco Road FC from Durham, North Carolina. They have a pack of cigarettes running around as the mascot. I mean, it is in Durham, North Carolina. That's Tobacco Road between Duke and North Carolina. There's a team called the Tri-Cities Otters. There's the Lakeland Tropics, which makes me sound like they're playing on a beach 
out in the middle of Florida somewhere. Like the Flint Tropics. Yeah, exactly. They have a division called Deep South Division, and there's a a team there called Peachtree City M-O-B-A. I just want to know who those people are. There's Houston FC. There's Mississippi Brilla, which I thought was actually a rapper name before I looked it up. It's a USL League <laughs> 2 Bleak's team. cousin. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to the Western Conference. The Seattle Sounders under-23 team plays in the same division as the Portland Timbers under-23 team. That's got to be kind of a fun game to go to, except if you look at where the Seattle Sounders play their games, this U23 team, they play at franklin pierce high school <laughs> they they play at a high school there's the mountain division which there's a great team called the colorado pride switchbacks u23 team i want to watch that and of course the southwest division oh on hiatus fresno fc u23 not playing but there's a team that i want the jersey of so badly i've looked them up before i may have even talked about them on the podcast Ooh. from la mirada california They play out of La Mirada High School. Someone find me a jersey from the Southern California Seahorses. Can I please get a jersey from the, I am a double X in soccer jerseys, a Southern California Seahorses jersey. So what you're saying is this team, Port Vale FC, is pretty much the English equivalent to the Southern California Seahorses. Yeah, basically, yeah. And I think that is pretty cool because, hey, you know, they're given exposure to clubs that otherwise you'd never heard of. And I always prided myself on knowing a lot about a lot. Jack of all trades, a master in none. But, man... Port Vale FC is definitely my new favorite fourth division English team. If you get your fourth division USL whatever jersey, I'm sure you're going to be a fan of that club. couple teams that we have to go to, Scarf, and I'm going to say it right here. We should put this on our bucket list for next season. Yes. Phoenix Rising and the $2 beer night that they have there. We got to be in attendance for that. And we got to go to Vegas, bro, for the lights. $2 shots of tequila. Eric Wilnaldo was throwing up a ton of money into the air. You could grab <laughs> Grab it up all I you want. That. You could feed a llama. You could get free ice cream if you're among the first who knows how many fans. And you could even sit in a little kiddie pool pitch side as the teams play. And chances are you might find an LAFC player there. I mean, Vito, I think, is still there. You think he's enjoying being in Vegas more or playing for the Las Vegas Light Scarf? You know, I have to say I'm pretty sure that Fito would rather be on a pitch in front of the 3252 in the black and gold. Doesn't seem like but, it's going to happen, though. But, but as a second alternative, if you had to pick a place, Vegas, baby. Vegas. Why not? We got to go out and catch a lights game. Also, shout out to our boy Philip Ejimadu. We saw him as we left the game yesterday as well. If you have not had the chance to meet and say hi to Philip Ejimadu, our third goalie here on LAFC, he is just about one of the nicest humans that you'll ever meet. We mentioned Stephen Betashore as one of the nicest people. I'd put Philip up there as well. And again, a big thank you to our donor at our fundraiser. Thank you again so much. You know who you are. And if you don't mind not being anonymous, let me know, and I'll certainly talk about it on our next pod. We'll continue the Childhood Cancer Fundraiser at Oktoberfest. Please come hang out with us. 
Philly in the scarf will buy you a couple of rounds if you are in later, Hosen. Yeah. And you know what? This has been a little bit longer of an episode than most, but we had a lot to talk about in terms of Dio and in terms of finding a positive outlook in what was kind of a tough game. We had a lot to say, and we really appreciate all of you out there and the defenders listening to what we have to say. Otherwise, like we mentioned to somebody else before who stopped by at our tent, we'd just be a couple of guys talking to each other all day if you guys didn't listen. So I still think that, though. Thank you so much for everything and all the support through 60. That's right, 60 fantastic episodes. Well, some of them are fantastic. I don't know if all of them are fantastic, but we try really, really hard to make this a fun and entertaining product for all of you. We love what we do. We love this team, the black and gold. And honestly, we love doing this. This is a lot of fun. Uh, it's so the greatest thing ever. You guys know how we like to end our episodes. Thank you for 60 and bye-bye.